Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. How's everybody doing? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, Happy New Year! That's the Grecian calendar, of course, the Gregorian calendar. We follow the Hebrew calendar. We know we're in year 5783, but we just turned over to 2023. I don't think it's an accident that we're in the year of three, whether you're in the, the you know, Grecian calendar, the Gregorian calendar, or in the Hebrew. Come on, somebody. Three is about covenant. All right? Three is about moving forward. Right? Three is about power, the threefold cord. It's about community. Okay? Um. I actually forgot I had to preach today. I'm going to be honest. So I woke up this morning. and I was like, Lord, who's preaching? I was like, oh, it's me, Jesus. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, okay? Because I'm on sabbatical, so mm, chalk it up to that, okay? That's what we're going to chalk it up to. And I was like, okay, Lord, so what do you want to talk about? And this is interesting because we've, we haven't, we've discussed this kind of on and off and weaved it through various teachings that I've done. But we've never really just had a whole teaching on this. And I think this is interesting because we're in a season of transition. We're moving from our building into a new building where we can kind of have our flavor of the community that we are, an expression, a full expression of who we are, right? Like Lonnie said earlier, the Holy Spirit said through Lonnie earlier, he's been laying a foundation, okay, of connected relationships. God's got you here for a reason, right? Like the Cantu said a few um, Months ago when they came and visited, the Lord gave us these six years to get to the bedrock, the gold, where the gold is. Okay, Evangelist Lonnie told us that. He said, bedrock's where you find the gold. That's the glory. That's the weightiness. That's the something relevant to bring to a city, to a community, to a people, so that their lives can actually be changed. Amen. And when we were talking earlier about Christ in us, the hope of glory, I just feel... Like, you need to know and, and hear Daddy say, well done. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. Well done. We all know these last three years, the enemy has railed against community. Come on, can anybody say, did anybody, he work in your life to try to get you to do some division coming around you, coming at you, offense? upsetness, misunderstandings, you're communicating something with a heart of love and sincerity and trying to understand or communicate um, something where maybe somebody's missing something because you love them, you care about them, you're being genuine, and the enemy just tried to come in there and slice and dice and twist. Anybody besides me or am I by myself? Okay. So that spirit is called the spirit of Leviathan, Okay. The spirit of Leviathan operates off of two things. It needs witchcraft as a foundation to operate, right? Someone has a specific plan or agenda in mind, and they want to hit that target, right? And then that spirit of pride comes in and says, I need to tell my part. But it's not really even about that. The enemy comes in through that spirit because there's usually a wound. It can be a seemingly um, positive or... Um, attribute in the sense that my wound that where I missed it this year in the last couple years was I wanted people to feel safe and protected and in my 
misguided attempt to protect people from the things that God was wanting to share with them. I actually went overboard in my protection and actually hurt some people and offended some people, and I had to go reconcile a bunch of things, right? So, so even it can seem like a good thing, right, some things, right? But if we step outside of people's liberty, we step outside of their freedom, or we're not sensitive to the culture and their level of maturity and or revelation of who they are and where they're at with the Lord, we can hurt people, right? We're going to talk today about community because we're coming, we're in the year 5783 community. We're moving to Shiawassee, 318 Shiawassee. Come on, somebody. You can't make this up. Gideon's 300, right? Covenant 100-fold. It was the remnant. It was the on-fire ones. It's the ones that said, I surrender. Just like Kalia saying today, I surrender. Here I am. I get it. I finally get it. Lord, I'm yours. I give it all. I don't understand it. It's a little scary, but I've tasted and I've seen that you are good, and I want you more than I want anything I want. Amen? So we're going to talk about the power of community and the benefits of connection. Because if there's anything we've learned this year, it's that in isolation, the enemy can pick us off. Anybody else learn that besides me? In isolation, the enemy can deceive us and mess with our thoughts. In isolation, we don't have the benefits of generosity of those around us, of encouragement of those around us, of joy of those around us, right? Isolation will kill us. Just for those of you that are teachers and are wondering, you're struggling because we don't have a PowerPoint, I'm going to give you the primary verses that we'll go to today. If you need to write them down, you can do that or put them in your phone so you can relax and breathe and enjoy the message. You ready? We're going to be working out of 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be working out of 1 Corinthians 14, 29. And Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Okay, those are the three places, main places that we'll go. And we'll do some of the normal stuff I do where we bounce all over. Because that's who God made me to be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I can celebrate myself because I've learned it's okay to be okay with who you are. Amen? Yeah, turn your ears and neighbor. They may not like you, but Jesus does. It's all good. It's all good. You be you. Because you know why? This is why. You be you. Because he said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, so when the enemy comes at you and tells you there's something wrong with you or something missing, something lacking, you just, mm-mm-mm, devil, you liar. <laughs> I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In season, out season, wide season, thin season, tall season, short season, dark season, light season, it don't matter. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Mad season, happy season, joy-filled season, not quite right season. Mental institution season, I'm still fearfully and wonderfully made. Want to choke the enemy season, all of it, okay? When we miss it, it's usually only an indication that our gift hasn't fully come into formation. And when we fall and when we come into a place of weakness, we're like, oh, and somebody's pointing it out. You know, you always got those friends, right? You got to love them because it's important. We need somebody to point it out, right? Because we don't see our own weak spots. A lot of times we're blind to our own stuff. That's why we need the body. Oftentimes, those places of weakness and those places where we're missing it are actually an indication of the gift in us and where we're called to be strong in the Lord, okay? He says, 
Paul said, in my weakness, I am strong. Therefore, I'll boast all the more in my weaknesses because in my weakness, I'm strong. When I'm weak, Christ is formed in me. When someone points something out, whether it's a done eloquently and graciously and lovingly or nasty, <laughs> venomous, it doesn't matter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I needed to hear that. I needed to know that truth because in our weakness, it causes us to lean into the beloved, to lean into the Father, to behold him again and say, I need more of you. I'm missing it here. Right? So our flesh is like, eh, don't talk to me about what's wrong with me. I already know what's wrong with me because I'm in my head. I'm in my head. I'm having these conversations every day. I'm already fighting a battle. I need you to stop because I'm already beating myself up, right? That spirit of condemnation kind of comes in. Only because we haven't learned to say, honey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You're welcome. You're welcome that I'm here. You're welcome that I'm showing up. You're welcome that I'm a daughter of God. And that's not prideful. That's a reality. Right? You didn't see Mohana. You're welcome. You know what I'm talking about? The Rock. He plays Mohana in that cartoon. And uh, he comes in with his big hook and saves the day. And he's struggling with pride a little bit, thinking he's all this and all that. But the truth is, even when we are not perfect, we're still a gift to the body. Because we're helping other people grow. We're helping them get strong. And the converse is true as well. Even when the body isn't perfect and you want to choke them out, tell them what they need to do and how they need to be fixed, they're a blessing to you. And you need them. Because in our imperfection, in our process of growth, in going from faith to faith and glory to glory, we actually sharpen one another. And it creates a community and it creates a culture of grace. We're on our way, but we haven't arrived. Praise God, I'm not where I was yesterday. You're welcome. Right? We're going to talk a lot about community today. We're going to talk a lot about the benefits and the tension of being in community and just the reality of the process that we go through to become more like Christ. I got a little image here as you can't see. It's so cute. This girl's stretching out pose for you. Oh, she's going like this. And there's a line in front of her. She's getting ready to run a race. It was such a cool image. And it says on the ground, 2023, and she's standing right behind the line and ready to run into it, right? And I did a girl because I'm a girl. So, you know, picture guy if you're a guy, right? Unless you want a picture girl. I mean, that's between you and Jesus. I know some of y'all out there are single. So you do what you got to do. That edifies you. But Jesus said unto them in Luke 19, 13, occupy until I come. What does occupy mean? Hold the line. Take dominion. Stay in your place. Don't let the enemy in. There's lots of different ways we occupy, right? We occupy in the level of our own person and individual place as we grow and we learn we have to occupy our mind, right? We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We have to occupy in our uh, relationships, our intimate relationships in our family and our children, boyfriends, girlfriends, close friends, whatever that looks like for you, right? In the sense that we have to keep boundaries, right? We're not, we're not Jesus. Turn your neighbor and say, hey, I'm not Jesus, and you tell them, say, but neither are you. 
right? Okay, so sometimes in community, when especially when we're really hurting, we want someone else to save us. And Daddy's allowing a circumstance because he wants us to get our eyes on him. He wants us to remember, I'm your Savior. They're going to help you. I'm going to send people to help you. I'm going to send people to come alongside you. I'm going to send people to bless you. But I'm your Savior. And there's this process that we go through over and over and over again where he's revealing his goodness to us and gently and graciously and slowly showing us that we can trust him and that he is good. Okay? All right. So we're going to talk about community. I want to give you the definition of community. A community is a group of people. We're a group of people. Living in the same place. We're living in the same place. Having a particular characteristic in common. We got some stuff in common. We're all here listening about Jesus, right? So we got some things in common. Yeah, isn't that exciting? It's also a feeling of fellowship with others. How many of y'all felt something in service today, either from the Lord or from someone next to you or something somebody shared? All of us, right? So there's a feeling of fellowship. Come on. As a result of sharing common attitudes. Now, some of us have common attitudes like Christ, and some of us can admit that we also have common attitudes that aren't like Christ, but we got it the same. <laughs> Matt, that's why he's teasing me, because he knows my common attitudes that we share. Right? Because I'm not perfect, right? We're on a journey. I'm going faith to faith and glory to glory. But I'm growing. Amen? We're growing. You're growing. We share common attitudes, common interests, and common goals. That's what a community is. And typically, when you come into the church community, which I'm just going to say this, a disclaimer, the church is not a building. The church is the people. Now, most countries in the world understand that revelation with the exception of Europe and America, okay? Now, uh, Americans and Europeans are both, there's a remnant that's coming into the reality of the, what we would call ecclesia, that the church is a people of kings and priests like it was prophesied earlier, okay? Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we've come into this intimate relationship with God as Father. He has adopted us into a family and seated us at his right hand in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, which gives us the authority to operate as a king. Girls, you're kings. I hate to break it to you, but own it. Kings and priests, because there's no male or female in the spirit. Okay, And as kings, we sit in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And operate in his authority as he speaks to us, we say what he says to say. And as he shows us things, we do what he shows us to do. And things shift and come into alignment with him. Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator, Elohim, of heaven and earth. That means creator, judge. When he speaks, things literally shift. In Genesis, it tells us that Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness, the chaos. But then God spoke. And so many things in our lives can be shifted in a moment if we will just say what God says to say. If we'll get a word, if we lean in and hear something from his heart to ours, and we'll say what he tells us to say. Or we'll lean in and see something, and we'll do the thing he shows us to do. It's simple, but it's not always easy. That's why it, say, it talks about um, those of us in the kingdom of God or who come into the kingdom have to take it by violence or take it by force because everything in the kingdom rails against 
this world. It rails against what makes us comfortable. It rails against our flesh, the things that initially, until we begin to mature in Christ, feel good. Amen? So I'm just going to affirm us as a community in a few ways. We're a group. That makes us a community. We're in the same place. We're in the same building. We share common faith and characteristics of Christ and some characteristics that we're still working through. And as we mature, we're coming into a greater level of unity in regards to our common attitudes, our common interests, and our common goals if we're maturing in Christ. I don't say this very often, but I feel like I'm supposed to say this. We talk about the fivefold a lot, and there's some misnomers about that. I think in some ways it does say that when Christ ascended, he left gifts unto men, right? Ephesians 4, we're talking about if you want to look that up, 11 and 12. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers to the church as gifts of the church for equipping of the saints so that they can do the works just say that over yourself. Say, I'm made to work. I <laughs> know, oh, we don't like it, right? Especially men because the, the curse of the toil. But this is the beauty in Christ. We don't have to toil. It's grace. We labor and enter into that place of rest. He gives us the might like was prophesied earlier. He gives us the strength. He gives us the joy. He gives us the peace. He opens the doors of favor, and we just simply walk through them and do everything in his strength. It's a different feeling. But you are called to be a gift to the body of Christ. And you get to choose how far you go with that gift. You get to choose. The scripture tells us that there's four kinds of ground in which the seed is sown. Four soils. Out of the four soils, the good soil, there's three different yields of a harvest. Okay, so one of four has the, the proper soil to receive the seed. And out of those four types of soil, we will either be one of the three, and I believe this is where the choice is at. We'll be 30-fold. We'll be 60-fold. Or we'll be surrendered a hundredfold. And the world would have us to believe that it's a matter of our own effort or it's predetermined before the foundation of the world. But the scripture tells us that all the law and the prophets hang on this one thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All. All your soul, your mind, your will, what you choose, your emotions, what you feel, how you respond to your thoughts. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your what? Strength and vigor. And so sometimes, you know, we give our strength and vigor, but we don't want to think about what we think about. We don't want to think about our past. We don't want to deal with the pain. We don't want to deal with the abuse. We don't want to deal with the divorce, whatever it is for you. I don't know what that is, right? Whatever, who knows? The bad dad, the bad mom. 
the cultural stuff this year has revealed a lot of cultural stuff, historical stuff done against you and your people, right? Sometimes it's hard. It's like, oh, I don't want to go there. If I go there, I don't know if I'm going to get through this one without holding it together. And I just feel like Father God wants you to know it's okay. He doesn't expect you to hold it together. He doesn't expect you to be perfect as you go through this process. And he's right there with you. But the way out is through. If you want to make it, if you want to be the hundredfold surrendered like we talked about, you've got to face it. And I'm telling you today, in community, when you're in community, there is nothing you cannot face with God that you cannot overcome. Because he will send the right person at the right time to bless you in the right way with exactly what you need. There's safety in community. There's encouragement in community. There's generosity. I'm looking at Lonnie because he's always giving me money. There's generosity in community. And Laura, I should say that about you too. You're doing the same thing. There's love in community. There's healing in community. Right? We are a community. Community isn't about the size. It isn't about the numbers. It isn't about how popular we are or we are not. It's about what the Greek, the Greek term is koinonia. It's about the connection of our hearts and of our emotions and of our mind and of our spirits. It's about the exchange that occurs in our conversations and when we help one another and come alongside one another, when we mentor one another, teach one another, learn from each other. There's an exchange that happens. There's, it, it literally means intimacy. You ever run with somebody so long, you're like, that's my girl. That's my ride or die. I, call, I joke with Laura. I say, my best bud, right? How special. It's an inside joke. But you get these inside jokes, and you get these missions that you've gone on. Like, Donna and I went to Israel together, right? And there's something that happens when you go to war together, when you go on mission together. It knits your heart together with Father God more so, and it knits your heart together with the team. So serving in community actually causes us to mature, it causes us to grow, but it causes us to be a little bit more intertwined as God's people and look a lot more like the bride of Christ. How many of you can think of a time, just by a show of hands, where maybe you were looking for, you are feeling maybe lonely or isolated or not sure where you fit in and an individual in community reached out to you and made a connection, and it changed how you perceived yourself. Anybody? Me too. How many of you have been on a team, and you didn't feel like you had what was needed or wanted in the room, but you decided to serve anyway, and it tightened your relationship with the people on your left and on your right that you were serving with, just because you were willing to do it afraid or, you know, in a, in a way that maybe wasn't perfect? Yeah, me too, right? Because we grow. We grow. There's nothing more beautiful to me, this is a personal thing, than watching someone come in who's like, yeah, I really am not sure, I'm a little nervous or whatever, but give it their all. Give it their all and be like, hey, 
So I'm going to just let it rip. Not in the wrong kind of way, in the right kind of way. Right? You know what I'm talking about. But you just get up there and you're like, all this stuff's going on on the inside, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. And then the whole body of Christ is like, ah, yes. How many of you were blessed when Kalia and Joseph stepped up and shared their heart? We're brave enough to share today. Right? Because it's a new mix. How many of you feel closer to them because they obeyed the Lord? It knits our hearts together. Isn't that beautiful? We don't know what was going on in here with all that, you know. But I remember me, my first time, I was like, all these thoughts, right? It's beautiful. We are a community. What I heard, because I always say, Daddy, what do you want to say to your kids? This just kind of honestly came like a flood. It wasn't even like a strong impression or an audible word like I hear sometimes or something. It was just like, it was all of a sudden, it was just there. And it didn't feel heavy. Sometimes it feels heavy, you know what I mean? But it just felt light and matter of fact. So I'm just going to share what I got. Community will be key in 2023. It will be key. What does a key do? A key unlocks doors. It shuts doors that need to be shut. It protects us. It keeps bad out, allows good in. It opens and it shuts at the right and appropriate times when it needs to, right? And this is what he told me about this. Five things. Community will empower you to see more clearly. When we're in the midst of trials or persecutions or difficulties, we, and we only have our own knowledge base, we only have our own experience, oftentimes we'll keep going around the same mountain over and over and over again because for whatever reason, we're in that situation and we don't have whatever it is we need to go up to the next level like Donna was talking about. If you picture going around a mountain in kind of a spiral, Right? And sometimes we do, but we don't understand why the way we're doing it or what we heard about it is working for them, but it's not working for us. And so we need community. We need counsel. We need someone else who's been here who sees something in me or in my circumstance or the situation or has experiences or skills or revelation that I don't have that helps me get unstuck. Community literally helps us see more clearly. If it's a community that's honest and vulnerable, right, and generous, right? If it's one of these communities like, oh, oh we're all competing and I'm better than you and I came because I feel so much better about myself today, <laughs> right? We don't want that. That's not God's heart, right? God is love and love never fails and love expresses itself verbally and through action, right? So being connected to community and 2023 will be key. Community will empower you to see more clearly. So just ask Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, is there an area where I'm stuck? And if there is, put it in your phone, write it down, whatever. And then find somebody maybe today. Ask Holy Spirit, who do you want me to talk to about this? It could be a mentor. It could be somebody at work. It could be somebody in this room. Right? Or get prayer about it afterwards at the altar. Maybe God will give you a prophetic word and a key on how to get out. Right? How to move forward, really. Right? Right. The second thing is connection will unlock your destiny doors. 
connection is what unlocks your destiny doors. A lot of times we want to do great things for God, but then we kind of isolate and pull back and stay in the prayer closet, you know. And there's seasons for that, right? When we're going through healing, we got to get whole, right? So you don't, you know, <laughs> rage a holic on somebody. <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm Irish, so that was my story. So when I say that, you need to know, don't be afraid. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> but there was a day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like that against the enemy. Man's giving me the funny look over here like, really, you are. The joke about the berserk joke, I'm, I mean, seeing Brent do that. But only in the spirit, right? Now I am like that, but only in the spirit because we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. So we can go berserk on that. We just, not on people, right? What did Jesus say when he was up on the cross? He didn't say, you know, Hang them all, Lord, <laughs> right? He said, forgive them, Father, for what? They know not what they do. So kind of a full circle moment going back to the four soils. Any soil, any heart can become good soil. There's countries where it's completely mountainous, but they can grow um, crops in between the rocks. They can be fruitful, let me say that. We talk a lot here about you can't take anyone any further than you yourself are willing to go. And that requires, number one, knowing who God is and understanding that he's good. Because when we're convinced that God is good, we're not afraid to face our stuff. When we know that we know that we know God is good, it's not scary anymore. And I just feel like for those listening on the podcast, I need to ask for forgiveness for the religious leaders that did not represent Father God well to you. I just hear that in my heart. Some of you have had bad experiences that are listening with religious people. And it kind of gave you a bitter taste in your mouth, like, I don't want no part of that. And rightfully so, because you're actually responding in discernment that that is not God. You're right. But God does want to know you, and he does love you, and he is beckoning you unto himself. And there's a remnant, and there's a community for you that is healthy, that is whole, that will love you. They won't be perfect, but they will love you. They're not going to be scared of your past or your stuff or your frustration or your process. They may not handle it perfectly, but they'll be willing to go there with you and walk with you through it. Amen? Yeah. Thank you, Father. So I'm going to give a little testimony in regards to connections unlocking your destiny doors. Y'all know that I've been doing transformation ministry here in the city for years, right? Back at the, in 1995, right after um, Shane and I were in a specific church, the Lord had called my husband at the time to shift to another church. He wanted to go to this other church. This was a church I didn't want to go to. It was very large. I was more into this, right, people. I like people. And um, I just didn't want to go there. My husband at the time wasn't praying as much as I was, and I thought I was holier than him, if I'm being honest, okay? I just thought I was way holier. I talked to God and read the word and knew the word, and he was just where he was. So I didn't want to do it. And I was like, Lord, because this is how I talk to God, because he's my father, so I'm honest. If you want me to leave this church where this ministry door just opened up and go to this other place where I don't even know anybody and it's too big, I'm going to need a sign. 
I can just picture God kind of like licking his pencil, like, okay, I got this. You know. I come to service the next day, and I'm sitting in this specific church, and the pastor says, don't be like a horse that needs a bridle and has to be dragged to its destiny. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, all right, all right, all right, right? And I was learning at that time, of course, about submission because I was from an Irish family. I'm just saying, Irish lineage, the women raised the warriors, okay? So it was a mindset shift for me. And my husband was gracious and patient with me through that process. God love him. So I go to this new place, and I had asked the Lord who he created me to be, and he had given me a couple scriptures about unity, and I didn't understand how it was going to happen, but I knew God well enough to know at that time, just keep going through the open doors. Keep obeying. Keep just saying yes over and over and over again. When it's hard, when it's easy, when I don't understand, when it takes me in a direction that I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling this, right? Just say yes anyway. And that's actually at that church I, is where I met you, Matt. And I was at that church for a whole year before the Lord would let me do anything. And I love kids. I homeschooled my babies. Being a mom and a wife was one of my greatest honors. And... Um, the Lord says, I want you to work in children's ministry. But I had a preaching anointing, okay? I'm like, Psh. Well, I'm going to preach to these kids. Lord, you know I got a gift. I need to be telling my story. I need to be telling my testimony, how you saved me. I need to be sharing the gospel and getting people saved, right? I was on fire. He says, I want you to work in the children's ministry. I'm like, Psh. okay, God. He goes, oh, and I don't want you to tell anybody about your ministry experience. We had written a play 35 kids had gotten saved, youth. I did some youth stuff um, with my best friend at the time. I'd done jail ministry, done some preaching, was the executive director of this homeless organization and ran the whole place, basically. Set all the schedule. Basically, ran like a mini church for homeless people. I don't want you to tell anyone about your experience. I was like, what? I can't even tell them what I've done. <laughs> you know, how are you going to open these stories? What am I going to do? I'm just going to sit there and talk to the kids. Isn't there something I can organize, something I can do for the gospel? And so I, I, I realize now, looking back, my children needed me in that season. They were, their identity was being formed, and they needed me with them. They needed the encouragement. They needed the edification. They just needed time with mom, sitting on a carpet, reading books, being silly, answering the questions about why this young girl treated my daughter this way or why that young boy, you know, was bullying my kid or whatever. Their identity was being formed. So it wasn't until a year later that someone came up to me and said, hey, I heard that you A, B, C, D. I was like, woo, this is the day. I thought I had arrived. I was so excited. I was like, finally, let me out of the gate. I'm in quiet, not talking. My gift is talking, you know. And the Lord opens the door. But what's interesting about it, it in that season is he taught me it's not about me telling people who I am and what my gift is and what I want to do. It's about trusting the Lord that at the right time, if I'm in right relationship with people, he sent the director of that homeless shelter to go tell one of the key leaders of this church who I was, what I did, the experience I had. And then they approached me and asked me to leave. I didn't have to say a thing. And I was a lot humbler after changing diapers and 
cleaning carpets and vomit, right? So my heart was even in a better place, right? So it was a really good experience for me, and it was a really good experience for them. So connection with people and right relationship with people in your community will open doors for you. They will honor you in other places. It will open doors and opportunities for you to reach your destiny, okay? Connection will protect you. Laura and I joke about being ride or dies. I'm telling you what, you think I am bad, berserk. Laura's Scottish, right? So, I mean, there's all kinds of history there if you know your history. It's ten times worse than the Irish. We're neighbors. I don't know if we inherited it from you, sis. I'm teasing, of course. If you know your history on the Scots and the Irish, we had a lot of fighting. This is kind of our thing. We're great warriors. Yes, ma'am. Connection brings you protection. Kind of like we talked about earlier, when you're in community, there's someone watching for the wolves that are coming at you. Someone cares enough about you to say, hey, sis, hey, brother, I'm seeing this, and I, I love you, and I just want to let you know, just guard that. I know you're vulnerable right now, but I see this coming at you. Some of you all know my situation and whatnot, and that we're still praying, and 446 answered prayers, by the way, dreams, visions, prophecies, still praying for my, for, for Shane. Um, but there's been multiple times where God has worked through many of you to come alongside me and say, Steph, I need to tell you this. I'm seeing this red flag and you need to be careful. Or I heard this over here and I need to let you know this is coming, right? Because you knew I was vulnerable. You knew there were some things going on. You knew... I was pressing into more of his glory, but I was kind of like being held up, right? And community provides us with that. People who have our back, people who are our ride or dies, people that aren't going to let somebody say something that isn't true about who you are. They're going to stand up for you. They're going to stand up with you. They're going to help you. They're going to give when you need something, food or money or whatever. Sometimes even just things of comfort. I can remember one friend, uh, Dianetti. My husband used to do all the car stuff, right? And one day I'm like, walk out, my tire's flat, and I just lose it. I mean, like a five-year-old straight up cry fest. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do, right? Because I'm still popping, still doing ministry, still trying to do what God asked me to do. And I just lost it. I had a total meltdown. And I knew it wasn't just about the tire, but it was a revelation and a reality that someone else other than Jesus that I had leaned on was no longer there, and I was just overwhelmed at the loss. So she stops over one day, I'm taking your car. You know, if you know Deanne, you know you don't have a choice. She comes over, grabs my car, takes it to the place. They gave me this quote, it was going to be way too much, and at that time I was not getting any support and barely enough for food, frankly. And... Um, I just was a wreck. I didn't know what I was going to do. The Lord had one of my other friends donate some money. And she took my car down to this place on MLK and um, Jolly down here and told the guy the story. Shows him my bill. He goes, ah, now that place is always ripping people off. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it for this much. And it was just under the budget of what I'd just gotten from my phone. And I start to cry because I'm so thankful and I'm realizing in that moment of weakness that he is my strength. Not only is he my strength, but he's my provider. Not only is he my provider, but he's my husband. Not only is he my husband, but he knows every mechanic in this city. And if I ever have another problem again, 
He's going to take care of me. And I'm going to be all right. Amen. It changed me. It helped me to know him. But without the community connections, I may not have gotten there. Amen. Anybody else been there? Can you think of moments in your life where somebody stepped in, somebody said something, somebody gave something, somebody prophesied something, somebody prayed something, somebody told you like it was maybe, right? But then you're like, oh, I so needed that. Thank you, God, for my community. Amen. So connection in 2023 will protect you. Connection to community will protect you. Connection will mature you. Connection will mature you. If we isolate and we pull away from the body of Christ, we never sharpen one another because iron sharpens iron, right? So if we just stay in the closet, guess what? Eventually you get rusty and you get dull. But if you come out that closet and you're rubbing up against everybody, you're like, ooh, I felt that, but that was good. I needed that. Ooh, I felt that, but that was good. I needed that word. Ooh, that prayer. I got an impartation of something today when Prophet Donna prayed this or prayed that. That felt good. I needed that might. I was feeling tired, right? When you're connected to community, it will mature you. And we'll go into these things, the maturity piece and this next one a little bit more in a moment. Connection will bring you your blessings. Basically, the scripture tells us that we cannot outbless God. And it says that he'll give into your bosom, overflowing, shaken down, and running over. But it comes through men, mankind, Adam. So our blessings come through being connected to others and them knowing who you are, who God called you to be, what he's called you to do. And sometimes they don't even know, and it's just the favor of the Lord moving on them and stuff's coming your way. I can't wait till we can tell them the good news after the 6th. And in this year of 2023, we've got so much favor. Just like I told in that story about that one church where God had me kind of step out and do the seemingly insignificant thing, and then he began to open doors. There's a team I'm working with in Detroit, Michigan, um, working through some prophecies from Kim Clement over 20 years worth of prophecies. And I was, honestly, I, I met this guy when we were in prayer down in D.C. for 21 days. It, right after my divorce, Father God said, I want you to give me the first 21 days of your life and go to D.C. and pray for a nation. A friend of mine was there and they were praying and we're in this homeless shelter, sleeping on floors and mattresses, <laughs> praying for grace and peace and protection, right? Because there was a lot going on at that time. And the nation was going crazy. But God had me on assignment. And I, had I not obeyed the Lord, I never would have met our friend Don from Detroit. And now, Don's become like the big brother that's willing to tell me anything, even when I really, really, really don't want to hear it, that I never had. And sometimes when you're mature, maturing, God will bring different people or connections or communities into your life to help you to continue to grow. Amen? Anybody go through that? That's why we see so many people shift churches, right? There are religious spirits that say, mm, you're a church hopper. Are you, though, or are you just outgrowing that community? Okay? 
maybe you are. Maybe you've got some stuff inside you need to deal with. But if you have an authentic community, if you have a connected community, there should be an opportunity for you within the community to continue to grow and or to be sent in power to another community that connects back so that you can continue to grow, right? And your blessings come through those connections. So this is kind of interesting. I did a little research from community mental health statistics of those without community. I'm just going to read them to you. Don't let this settle in your spirit and your mind, okay? I want you to kind of keep the wall of fire of Father God between you and this, these earthly facts, okay? But this is intel that we know. People in neighborhoods with higher levels of social cohesion experience lower rates of mental health problems. Social cohesion is another word for community. In other words, if there's community, they have less mental health issues. Neighborhood social cohesion, which is community, is associated with a reduction in depressive symptoms in older people. Interesting. Human beings are social creatures. Our connection to others enables us to not only survive, but to thrive. Mental health professionals have found that isolation and loneliness are both risk factors for poor aging outcomes. What? It affects my physical health. These are the symptoms that result in lack of community. High blood pressure heart disease, obesity, weakened immune systems, anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, and even sometimes death. Okay, now I do not put any of that on you. We just wash it clean with the blood of Jesus real quick. But I want to say that, okay, that's, those are earthly facts. Earthly facts that we need to know. And I want to say this, there's a difference between being in a community and being connected in a community. And that has to do with how much do you walk in the light? Walk in the light as he is in the light and you will have what? Fellowship with one another. That's that word koinonia. You'll actually have fellowship. So there's one thing to show up and do your thing and leave and not tell anybody who you are, what, how you're feeling, what you're struggling with, and not really have a connection to just do. Task, 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 task. It's another thing to show up and be like, hey, this is what's going on. You know, like Matt put in the group, I need you to pray for my niece. You know, she's in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, he had family member pass not too long ago. That was another example. Um, Right, and he was reaching out, letting the community know where I'm at, what's going on. So everybody was allowed to come. We, we came alongside. We prayed. We're texting in the group me, right? We know what's going on. There was a level of vulnerability and courage that it took, right? It takes to be vulnerable within community so that you can have connection. Connection literally just means I feel known, I feel valued, and therefore I feel like I belong. Versus I just show up, do my thing, so that I can feel good about me, but I don't really tell anyone where I'm at, right? And I want to say this, with the work that I do in City Transformation, a community like this where you can 
literally put it all on the table with no judgment, very rare, very rare. But I do believe this is where God is calling his ecclesia. We should be the safest place in the world for people and have the strongest boundaries with those that are not safe in hopes that their ground of their heart too will become good ground where they can grow and they can heal and they can be blessed, right? That's who we should be. People should walk into our community and know that they can say whatever about wherever and they're at, wherever they've been, wherever they want to go, and that someone's going to love them enough to be like, well, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that, right? And not be like, right? Not come at you. But listen to Holy Spirit and say, okay, Father, I know that that doesn't align with your word, but how do you want me to love this person? What do they need right now? What's really going on, right? That's what community looks like, amen? So vulnerability, requesting prayer, sharing your felt needs, receiving feedback, or people call it critical um, criticism, right, or constructive feedback, right? All that really is is someone loving you enough to tell you the truth. People in the world that don't love Jesus are not going to take the risk of offending you, especially in today's culture. They're not going to tell you stuff. The best friends, the best community you can have is someone that says, Brother, you know, like I had a beautiful conversation. I remember in the dream team, I'll just use myself as an example so I don't throw anybody else under the bus. I know we're all close, but but I remember um, when the divorce was in process, I had all these, all of a sudden, these good-looking dudes are messaging me on Facebook because my status had changed. And I'm in the meeting over here and some people even in ministry are like well she's gonna be single soon I'm thinking about this like you can feel it right here they come and I felt like a piece of meat in some ways I was like gee and I felt vulnerable and so I remember sitting in the dream team meeting and telling y'all I I need you guys to stand with me in this I need you to guard your heart personally I need you to tell people that talk to you about my situation or thinking about coming at it no I'm not interested I don't want cousins, uncles, references, pastors, ministers, nobody. I want Jesus because I need to get whole. And then I need you guys' help protecting me. Do you remember that conversation? And you guys did such a good job. But if I didn't have community and I was out there on my own, who knows, maybe I would have broke down, you know, and given in to one of the 19 offers that I kept telling no. Right? I just wasn't ready. And I knew I wasn't ready. But you guys helped me. So that receiving feedback piece, that protecting one another piece, serving, right? One of the keys of a healthy community is when we serve, a community that serves, a community that doesn't just say, oh, man, you don't have groceries today. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Call me next week. I'll see you. You can take some snacks home, right? Not helpful. Not helpful, (laughs) right? But we give a piece of bread or a cup of water in Jesus' name. We actually do what needs to be done. But that requires humility and vulnerability and then if it's a problem that keeps happening over and over again it might require a bigger conversation that says look I love you man but we've done this like seven times and what's going on let's help you get your bills straightened around because we know you make money what's the problem here what's the missing link what's missing and how can we help you move into the fullness of who you are how can we help you get steady right not because we don't love you but because we do amen
So this idea of serving, giving, receiving service, and giving service to those around us. It's, sometimes it's hard. You're like, oh. I mean, the other thing with, you know, my particular culture is we fight over bills. Okay? So if you go to the restaurant and it's me, mom, auntie, sisters, there's going to be a throwdown for who's going to get that receipt and who's going to pay the bill. And it's about pride. I'm just going to be honest. It's straight up, like, wrestling match on the table, get the bill. Because the greatest amount of honor is given to the one that pay, pays the bill, and it's a way to say, I love you. It's a way that we receive love in our culture, right? So if you pay that bill, I know you're like, oh, my gosh, I love you. Let me feed you, right? Food is like a thing for us. Yeah, yeah, she's laughing. I know Donna knows because we've had it out. And she's like, you don't have to do this. I'm like, I really want to. I can't help it. It's part of my DNA, you know? But there's also some pride in that, right? Like, what if I don't have it? I have to have a conversation with my sister and say, sis, I love you so much. I really want to pay for this. Everything in my body wants to pay for this. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is how I've expressed love for over 20 years. But I don't have it today. You good. You know, and we've had that conversation too, haven't we? Yeah. But in community, in true community, in healthy community, you can go there. Right? Amen. Isn't it special? When you have relationships where you know you can always go there. You can always be honest. You can always be vulnerable. You can always make the mistake and go back and have the conversation and know that you're still going to be loved. You're still going to be forgiven. And it's reconcilable. It's repairable. It's restorable. Isn't that special? That's what we have, you guys. That's what we have. That's what all of us can have. Community is a place where you can receive encouragement, okay? Edification means to build up the body. Encourage means to give someone or impart to them the courage to do the thing that they're scared to death to do for whatever reason or don't want to do for whatever reason, right? Encourage, to put courage in someone. And we all have seasons where it's like, you know, like my season, I was like, Standing, but completely in faith, not knowing anything, where I would be, what I would do, how I would get by. And y'all prophesied over me, and you prayed with me, and you encouraged me. You put courage in my heart to keep taking the next step, to keep moving forward, to keep trusting God, to keep believing. And now on the other side of it, I can say, I love me some Jesus. I got the best husband in the world. He's fine. He takes good care of me. He always has the right answer. I don't have no problem submitting to him. Come on. Right? But I couldn't say that three years ago, but I'm whole now. Right? But it's because you all love me well. You encourage me. My community, y'all came around and alongside of me and helped me in my time of need. So thank you. In community, we give encouragement and we receive it. There's a time for both, right? We think on those things that are noble, right? We're not picking people apart and praiseworthy. We have an opportunity in community. We're encouraged because we can practice our spiritual gifts. We can do stuff for the first time. We're like, eh, that wasn't perfect. It was a, it was a little archaic when I sang that song, but y'all love me, and I, you know what I meant, <laughs> right? But I got to practice my skill a little bit. I got to hone it in, right? And that's all right. Community is a safe place to practice and grow without judgment. 
Community is a place where you can find a multitude of counselors. And I mean that in the good way, not in the way where I, you didn't give me the answer you want, so I'm going over here. You didn't give me the answer you want, so I'm going to go this one. You didn't give me the answer you want, so I'm going to go to that one. And God's saying the same thing to, through every single person. You're like, I mean, come on. We've all been there as kids, right? It's like the little kid that wants the candy. Uncle says no. Daddy says no. Mommy says no. So they'll go to auntie. She goes, come here, sweetie. I'll give you that. And we're like, yeah. It's not that. It's different. It's different, right? He said he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers. And we do that um, picture where we all stand back to back in a circle kind of, right? Each gift has a different perspective. And whenever we're in the middle of a trial or persecution or a circumstance, it's just maybe even unfamiliar outside of our gift strength. When we go to the different individuals with different perspectives, and maybe it's an older person or a younger person, right, or a teenager, they're going to have a knowledge and an understanding of things that we don't. And we can learn and get a piece of the truth here, maybe from someone that's 80 or older, because I don't know how to help my grandmother that calls me every single day for four hours, right? Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm working through some issues with my teenager, and there's another mom who's had a teenager. She's like, oh, honey, that's totally normal. Come here. I understand. You're going to be okay. Here's the verse that God gave me, you know. If you raise them in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't turn away from it. They might hate you right now, but it's going to be okay, <laughs> Right? You know, or maybe, you know, you're, you're um, in a new relationship and you're thinking about some serious things, but you don't, you've not had a healthy relationship before. So you can talk to someone who's been married, who's had a healthy marriage. And how do we do this? How do we do this right? What does this look like? What conversations should we be having? How do we protect ourselves to not repeat the patterns of our parents or our past or whatever, right? But it's a, there's in a multitude of counselors talking to a lot of different people about people that love Jesus. Let me put that caveat on there. You'll get really good counsel. You'll get a piece from this generation or perspective. You'll get a piece from this gender or perspective. You'll get a piece from this culture or perspective, right? You get a piece from uh, whatever that is for you. And then all of a sudden you kind of sit down and you have your prayer time with the Lord and you put all the little puzzle pieces on the table and it's like all of a sudden you just know. I see it, Lord. Thank you. I see it. And he goes, you see, baby? Right here, they told you this, they told you this, they did this. You see how I'm fitting all that together and this is all working out for good? This is the direction that I want you to go. And then you need to be brave enough to do it. And if you're not, come back to the community and you'll get encouraged. So you can, amen? All right. There's a tension in community. We're all growing. The struggle can be real some days, right? We have bad days sometimes. As imperfect people, we often expect and want others to be perfect towards us, but sometimes we resist being perfected. Not always, but sometimes. We especially resist that when we're hurting or we've been hurt really bad, okay? Our flesh wants everyone around us to grow, but sometimes when God is inviting us to grow, we want to drag our feet like Eeyore, or whatever his name is from that weird monsters movie. You know what I'm talking about, Igor. And I want to grow. And God wants you to grow, and deep down in your spirit you want to grow, and the people around you definitely want you to grow, but you're not sure. You're not sure. You're not feeling it, right? You don't have the courage. 
that's usually a sign if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling stifled, that you need to get into community more in the ways that we mentioned before. Be more vulnerable, make more connections, have more conversations, ask for more help, because you'll get whatever it is you need to help you break through. Does that make sense? Just like Lonnie was talking about today, he said, I didn't know if I was going to come out. He goes, but I had to. I had to be encouraged. I had to connect. I had to be who I am. I get lit up when I'm here, you know. He knows. There's a tension in the unknowns, right? Faith is required. We can't always see where it is God is taking us or where we're going. But as we learn who God is, we learn that we can trust him in the process. And as we stay connected in community, eventually we learn the godliness in our brothers and in our sisters that we can trust. You know what? I know Lonnie loves sharing the gospel. And I know my nephew over here doesn't know him very well. So I know if I bring him to service, Lonnie's going to light him up with the truth of who he is and totally encourage him. And this is going to leave feeling great. I can trust God in him, not just in me and not just God himself. Right? That's a whole new level. Right? And it becomes so fun because it takes some of the weight off of us, right? Like in America, we're all about the superstars and the Marvel heroes and the DC heroes, and we have to save the world. But Jesus already saved the world, right? He already saved it. And we get to be on his team, which is really, really fun. You know, we get to be on his team, which is a blast. But we don't actually have to save the world. We just have to do little missions for him here and there, right? And help other people learn that he made them to be heroes, too. Isn't that fun? So there's tension because it's a process and it takes time. So when you're connected to community, you're always going to have someone that's more mature than you. And you're always going to have someone that is driving you crazy and not as mature than you. Because God's using them to grow you. Okay? And you're going to be, like, wanting to be around the more mature people, which is good, but you also need to sow some seed and be around the less mature people so that you grow. Do some of the things you don't want to do, but also take the time to make sure you're filled up and you're hanging out with people so you're being pulled up, right? Does that make sense? There's a balance there. But both are in every community. You have people here, you have people here, and it's intentional because it's God's way of growing us into love. Right? And love is what edifies. Love is what builds up. That word edifies means it builds up. It's him. God is love. The love of heart has already been poured out in our hearts through Christ Jesus our Lord. So you have in seed form Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. You have that love in you. And it's just a matter of getting used to hearing him, tapping into him, responding to him, and growing in your trust for who he is and your trust for who he is in others. And you become freer and freer and freer. And it's like all of a sudden people are like, Psh, I don't know about that. You're a little too free for me, honey. But you're like, God's good. Life is good. God is great. And I'm going to fly. I'm sorry that my freedom makes you uncomfortable. But come on. Come with me. Let's go talk about it. Because I know deep down you want to be free too. Right? All right. We're talking about the tension of being in community. So one of the tensions is what I like to call havering. It's a Hebrew word from haverim, which can mean a friend, a comrade. And I like to say a comrade in arms, right? Like when I hear comrade, I hear comrade in arms. Someone that's been on the front lines with you, somebody has been through. There's some uh, 
opportunities out there now in the way that they're doing Bible studies and things where they do a Havarim. It's a little bit different of an approach. They don't just download and tell you everything. They ask you questions. You look at the scripture, and then basically they just answer your questions. And it's a very Jewish approach and way to do things because when the questions are asked, you're actually meeting the person where they're at and filling the hole or the void or the lack of understanding that they have. So your best mentors are going to be those who you can ask questions to, and then they point you back to what God's promise is based on that question and can help you and will journey with you on how to get you from point A to point B or wherever it is you're needing to go or wanting to go. Does that make sense? So I love this. Proverbs, um, havering can also mean, okay, in, in the Hebrew, to talk nonsense or to talk vaguely and speak in generalities. Have you ever been in a situation where you know if you say the thing the way it needs to be said that's actually the truth, truth, is going to get you in trouble? Because it's going to hurt that other person. You know what I'm talking about, right? What's the term um, my friend Adam uses? Um, I can't remember the term. There's a term he uses. But having to come into a culture, we call it perspectives in ministry. I have to be this way because I know this is your culture and this is how I can best love you and communicate with you, right? Um, that's actually part of havering. Whether you're working with someone who's more than true than you or at your peer level or not quite as mature as you, it's okay to be vague and to kind of speak in generalities and get a feel for where the person's heart and mind is so that you can love them well because you want to hear their heart. Out of the mouthful of the issues of the heart, right? So eventually as we're talking, we will tell on ourselves, which is good because when we tell on ourselves, I'm so glad God made us this way, we can't really lie because even when we're trying to lie, we're telling on ourselves because... Anyone with discernment can pick it up. But it actually positions us to love one another well. We're created in a way that it actually helps us love one another well. So sometimes when we're havering, we speak in vague generalities to protect the people around us. Right? It can mean to vacillate or to fluctuate in one's mind or opinion. So it has this idea of being humble and teachable and holding truth um, tightly in the sense that truth is a person, Jesus Christ, but holding our understanding of the truth lightly, that we there's always something more we can learn about a truth that we've learned, right? There may be a piece or a portion that we don't have that someone else has that will add to the truth that we already know and has been revealed to us through Christ, amen? It can mean to study with a comrade, a good friend. Havering can mean to passionately discuss a matter to a conclusion, till you come to a conclusion. And sometimes you don't always get to the conclusion in community, right? But we're going to passionately discuss some things because this is really important to me, my family, my kids, my culture, my whatever it is for me, my bank account. We're going to have a passionate discussion, right? And in America especially, we, we resist that a little bit. But in the Jewish culture, it's funny, man. They do not have a problem with this. I'm on a 23, 19, 20, whatever it was, hour plane ride, and I'm laughing too loud. I'm laughing too loud, apparently. And we're excited. We're going to Israel for the first time, and I had this woman sitting in front of me who now is one of my very good friends, Tzipi, and I'm a loud person. That's just the way God made me. I'm made for war. I'm made for talking. I'm made for singing loud and dealing with the enemy. So what I do is loud, and I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You're welcome. You're welcome. When you need me to be loud, you're going to be thankful I'm loud. 
So it was probably not the appropriate time. <laughs> she was trying to sleep. The lights weren't all off, but I was wide awake. And I'm talking with somebody. I think it was an evangelist next to me. And she had me rolling. I'm thinking, if this girl tells one more person about Jesus, take a breath. And I'm out of control laughing because I can't, people keep getting up and leaving. And the next one comes, she shares the gospel. They get up and leave. The next one comes, she shares the gospel. And it just struck me as funny. So I am laughing, and I'm laughing loudly. And here comes my friend, C.P., and she gets, she's Jewish, she gets right in my face. You are being too loud, like at that tone. I was like, yeah, yeah, I probably am. I'm really sorry about that. She goes, my goodness, you just laugh and laugh. We're all trying to sleep. You're being too loud. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure everybody on the plane's awake now that you just yelled at me at the top of your lungs. But okay, you know, I'll quiet it down a little bit. And we laughed about it later because she ended up running into us on the tour when I was with Ed Watts. And uh, we, we exchanged numbers and her and her husband, Simcom, invited me to come over and stay with them sometime. But it was so funny because they're not afraid to be passionate. I... I had that experience, and I wasn't sure, because I'm from America, so everybody's offended, and you don't know what they're going to do, right? They're going to turn you in the police, or what? You know, I mean, geez, it's like the offense police. I'm like, Jesus, help us. But this lady went off on me, and I was able to laugh about it, and then she was able to laugh about it, and then I was able to say back to her, yeah, you will. You just woke up the whole plane, so you're just as bad as I am. I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> right? And then we're kind of like, hey, okay, we'll both shut up and sit down. Right? But we became fast friends after that. And Havering, in a community, there's got to be some freedom to be able to go there, to have a day, right? To have a moment, to have some conversations. And I know Laura and I, we've been friends how many years now? 17 years. That's a long time. There's a lot of Havering that happen. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's, you know, when you've known somebody a minute, you've had a couple minutes. Amen? Right. But in community, in Christ-centered community, when love is present, you can go there sometimes, and you can go there passionately, but it's not taken personally. Because truth is what's most valued. Relationship is what's most valued. And becoming mature is what's most valued. So you eventually move beyond it and kind of laugh at yourself, take responsibility, laugh at yourself, take responsibility, you move forward, right? Or just continue picking up your cross to die until the other person gets it, right? Either one works great for God. Like, he's happy either way. <laughs> Amen? It's okay. Yeah, Laura's laughing because I'm seeing the car conversation in Toronto. I'm just seeing Toronto right now. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Lord, help us. Bunny, let me shoot that. Hold on. We're going off track here. Bunny trail. All right. Havering also in community is important because it creates a space for thinking and processing things honestly honestly, and authenticity. And it allows people to think. It's not challenged by thinking people. It's not intimidated by thinking people. It's not afraid of thinking people because we love truth and we know we'll always land on truth. We know we'll always land on love and we know we'll always land on hope and faith, right? So we don't have to be intimidated by that, amen? So Proverbs 24, 6 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Some of you sing people are like, mm. I'm just teasing. You, you remember the Twitter pates? I mean, it's been 20 years. Like, It's been a long time since I Twitter paid about nothing. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips, NIV. New Living Translation. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Amplified. He kisses the lips 
parentheses, and wins the hearts of people, end of parentheses, who gives a right and straightforward answer. In other words, the Lord's kissing those that are willing to say things in a straightforward way that's not hurtful, right? We speak the truth, but we speak the truth in what? In love, yeah, right? That's, that's the Lord on a person when they do that. Proverbs 21, 6 in the contemporary version, giving an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. Love that. Oh, that's funny. I wrote this down. It's not like the weird uncle kiss. You know what I'm talking about. The people that come in and kiss you on the lips and you don't know them that well and you're going, mm, I'm uncomfortable now. Right? Like you got to have some kind of relate. You know what I'm talking about. You can laugh. You know what I'm talking about. That uncle, we all have one. Or aunt, whatever. Like, come here. Sucking up like, oh, back up. You turn. You do the quick turn. The quick turn. You give him the cheek. Like, yeah, I don't know you like that. I'm not trying to know you like that. You're like, ugh, too close. Boundaries. I don't know where that came from, but that was in my notes, so I wanted to share it with you. I just laughed out loud when I thought about it, but you know what I'm talking about, because it speaks to this truth. You have to have a level of relationship and intimacy with someone to be able to give them a truthful answer, right? You can't walk up to the grocery clerk in the store and be like, girl, this is causing you all kind of problems. I'm going to need you to cover that up. So that them boys that are chasing you that you don't like, that you just told me you don't like, will stop chasing you. No, no, shut, stop talking. Let me pray with you. You speak in generalities. Tell me a little bit more about that. How can I help you? Yes, God has good plans for you. You speak in generalities. You honor, you edify, you bless. You see what they're willing to receive. And then if the connection is developed, because that can happen in a five-minute period. Evangelists do it all the time. That's why, and really apostles and prophets do it sometimes too. Not so much prophets. You guys are just kind of vata vata. But apostles and evangelists oftentimes can do that. And somebody will feel like they're your best friend. Oh, my gosh, that person, Lonnie's my best friend. And I'm thinking, or Stephanie's my best friend. I'm thinking, oh, we had two conversations, right? But they feel so loved in the moment, so heard, so understood that you can after the five minutes of conversation and going there and affirming and hearing their heart and loving them well, you can go there now and say, hey, have you considered that possibly maybe this, you know, might help you? Let me tell you my story. Make it about you, right? That's the whole reason for the weird uncle thing. You got to have intimacy or some level of relationship to speak truth to people. Amen? All right. I'm going to play a video. You're not going to be able to see it. I'm going to play it twice. So don't panic if you don't hear it all the way through the first time. Okay? But listen to this conversation. This gentleman's a psychiatrist. He's been a psychiatrist for four or five decades. He is a specialist in his field. He is a world-renowned speaker. And I came across this recently, and the Lord had been talking to me about um, some of the things that were going on in our nation and the struggles and our struggle with, as a church with community and really how he's using the situations in our nation to mature the church, to grow us up in love and in kindness and goodness and self-control and whatnot. But this is part of the tension, okay? So on my screen, which you can't see, his video's on one side and the word tension is on the right. And I made this up in my reel. I was so proud of myself because I'm 47 and I figured it out by the grace of God. 
Thank you, Jesus. How to screenshot my little thing and make my little video. I was pretty excited about that. All right. Are you ready? Let's see. I'm going to play this for you. Listen closely. And listen with an open heart, not a guarded heart. an intimate relationship and you're discussing something that's difficult the probability that you're not going to offend each other if you're actually having the conversation is zero and so you don't have to think unless you have a problem and if you have a problem then when you think you're going to offend people and so what are we not going to think that seems like a bad idea no. um, yeah you're uh, obviously not an american um if you have a family, if you have a family, if you have a wife, if you have an intimate relationship and you're discussing something that's difficult, the probability that you're not going to offend each other if you're actually having the conversation is zero. And so you don't have to think unless you have a problem. And if you have a problem, then when you think, you're going to offend people. And so, what, are we not going to think? That seems like a bad idea. No. Um, yeah. You're uh, obviously not an American. Um, we love to not think. <laughs> if you have a family. I love that. Because anytime, and we're referring to community here, anytime we're in community, if we're having an honest conversation where there's two differentiating opinions, there will be a temptation to be offended or hurt. But almost always, God is trying to bring both parties toward him. And what offense does is offense says, I'm putting up a fence and I'm not moving. You need to come to me. Right, which actually stifles our growth. But when we take offense or defense away from our heart, because we don't have to protect ourselves, because we can trust God, because what? He works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the more we grow in intimacy with one another and trust with the God in you that we see, we can go, you know what? I know Laura's really good with numbers, and I should probably listen to what she's saying on this. Even though the apostolic faith part of me wants to jump off the proverbial faith cliff and just trust God with it all. In this situation, because of her gift, because she's a prophet, because I know she hears God, and because we've been in a relationship, and I know I can trust God in her, I'm going to actually move my fence on this issue and come in closer and say, okay, let's do it your way this time. And that literally happened this last year, and it ended up being a great thing. We ended up in a great place. Not the place I would have picked. No. <laughs> right? We actually had free land being offered to us that looked like an amazing deal. And sometimes something that's free is not always God. It can be your biggest nightmare in the end. Right? But like Matt said earlier, because, you know, we were able to work that out. We let the one thing go. We moved in the other direction. And we were able to pay cash for a place that now we're going to be able to open up completely. That will be the perfect size. It has four offices upstairs. It's right downtown. It's still in the North Gate. It fits our divine mandate given from God. But it took me being willing to say, okay, I'm going to take my fence down. And I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to stay in unity and trust God. Right? So in community, sometimes 
There's going to be passionate conversations with two opposing opinions. If we're sharing opinions just for the sake of sharing opinions so we can be right, it's going to cause discord and division, discouragement and pain. If we're sharing opinions and passionately havering because we want to know the truth and we're genuinely listening, genuinely receiving, genuinely wanting to grow and to do our part, then we'll be able to move our fence that we had, our level of understanding that we had, and shift toward another individual's truth a portion of the truth that they're sharing us that will lead us in the way of everlasting. Does that make sense? That's not really all he was saying. He's kind of breaking it down biblically. Havering helps us master conflict resolution. One thing we don't do well here in America, we do not confront. We don't want to talk about stuff. It comes from the previous generation, no offense, older people. But that's my business. It's private. I'm not going to discuss it. And now we've got a generation that's out there that's like, we're talking about everything. Our parents hid stuff, and it destroyed us, and it ruined our relationships, and it didn't set us upright, and we had this, this, this in experience, and it messed us up. So now we're putting it all out on the table, which isn't necessarily bad. But we've gotten to the point where if you say this truth, you hurt me, and now you're not loving because you hurt me, and that's not biblical. Sometimes the people that love you the most tell you the hardest things because they care more about you than they care about how you feel about them. A truthful answer is a kiss on the lips. A truthful answer is a sign of true friendship. That's what the scripture says, Proverbs. We just read it, right? So as we're having this conversation that part of us that doesn't like getting hurt sometimes, like trigger, 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 I don't feel safe anymore, right? I don't know about this. I don't want to be taking my friends down. You take yours down. <laughs> but the wholeness and the joy, the kingdom of God is righteousness, free gift from Jesus given to us freely, peace, which is actually the word shalom. It means wholeness and prosperity in every area of your life, and joy, which we talked about earlier today. It's the overflowing emotion that accompanies being made whole. So as we're willing to haver, as we're willing to, in a healthy way, in a healthy community, you can't haver with everyone because some people just want to be right. Some people are narcissistic. Some people are abusive. Some people you got to, like, conform to the culture and talk in vague generalities <laughs> until they catch up with you. And that's okay. But when you're in healthy community and you're in healthy relationships, you should be able to have those conversations and you should be moving and shifting. If everyone's always shifting towards you, that's a sign. It's a little bit of a red flag. But if you're shifting and you can look back over the last year, the last six months, the last three months, two months, two years, three years, and say, man, I've really changed. That's a really good sign, too. Well done. You know, just give yourself a you're welcome on the shoulder, right? Sometimes we've got to tell ourselves that. You're welcome, self. I know you didn't like that. I know it didn't feel good. I know it wasn't easy, but well done. you got to encourage yourself in the Lord, right? So this havering helps us. The benefits of community, okay? We talked about havering. It helps us to master self-control because there will be times when you cannot say what you want to say and you ought not say if you're going to go out and love what you want to say, right? And it causes us to grow. It causes us to grow in godliness. And I'm just going to read this. We've taught on this before. His divine power. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got divine power in you. Yes, you do. That's got to make you feel better. His divine power has given you, say, I got it. Yes, you do. You already got it. It has given you. That's past tense. You got it. 
Okay? It's not something you're striving for. It's already in you. It has given us everything we need. Say everything. That ain't something. That ain't some things. That ain't kind of things. It ain't the mixed up thing. It ain't the messed up thing. It's the thing. It's the every. It's the thing. It's everything. Everything you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these, he's given us the very great and precious promises so that by, through them, excuse me, you may participate in the divine nature. What? Ding, ding, ding. What are you talking about, Willis? What do you mean participate in the divine nature? I'm not God. No, no, you're not. But the God and creator of heaven and earth lives on the inside of you. Guess what that means? You're participating in the divine nature. Mind-blowing. Think about it. Meditate on that for a couple days. You, as a daughter or son of God, as a child of God, have an opportunity every day to participate in the divine nature of God. Who can say that? We can. Amazing. What an honor. What a privilege. And not only participate in the divine nature, but to what purpose? And escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. And we all got them. Whatever. We ain't got to feel bad about that. We don't have to feel bad. We all have evil desires because we're born into a sinful world. We're born sinful into a sinful world. Wham, wham, wham. Change my diaper. Give me my bottle. Give me what I want. Not sharing toys. Just wanting to eat sugar and candy. We got to come out of that. Place the flesh, right? We're born as like these little flesh balls who want everything we want. We're all born into evil desires. But when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're made new, literally a new creation. You literally get to participate in the divine nature so that you can escape that corruption, the corruption of those evil de desires. So there's no condemnation for being born that way, but come out. Don't just come out because it's way more fun, and it is, but come out because you get to participate in the divine nature. The creator of heaven and earth the God of the universe who created the stars and the sun and the earth and the planets and the trees and the birds and the animals and inviting you, has sent you a personal and royal invitation to do his bidding, to be in his army, to be a part of his family, to be called his child. Come on, somebody. That's a privilege. We all want to know somebody. Biden, I work for Biden. I know the president. Okay, he sent me on an errand. That feels good to say that. I know the governor. I sit on her staff. Mm, that feels good. You know the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, and he's sending you on errands. He's called you to be a part of his mighty army. He set you up for success. He created you to do great exploits in his name. You are a privileged person. You're part of the most amazing family in the world. Amazing family in the world. All right. So being one of the benefits of being in community is that it causes us to become godly. I'm just going to tell you what that means real quick. In 2 Peter 1, 5. We'll start there. For this reason, make every effort. Turn to your neighbor and say every Tell them again because they didn't hear you the first time. Every, every effort, every chance you get, every. That's right. Not, mm, not feeling it today. I'm going to lay here and roll over and feel sorry for myself again. No, 
every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. Why isn't that order? Goodness. Goodness is like, hey, I know what is good to do. I recognize goodness. I affirm goodness. I see it in you. I see it in other people. That's good, right? To goodness, knowledge. I know and understand what is good. I have an intimate knowledge of what is good. I understand it intimately because I'm actually living it out, right? To your knowledge, self-control. Now that I know what is good, I know that what is true, it irritates me that the people around me don't know. Self-control. <laughs> Everybody goes to this. We all do as disciples. You know what I'm talking about. Because once you get a revelation, they're like, I want to tell everybody around me, right? And they don't get it, and you're like, it's got to be worked in you and to you and then through you to others, right? To the point where it doesn't, it doesn't make you trigger and twitch anymore, you know? And you can be around people without going off, right? Without having those emotions. To self-control, perseverance. Your neighbors say, persevere. Yeah, say it to yourself. Say, self Stay in it. Stay in it. You know why you need to stay in it? Because you are going to win it. Because perseverance produces what? Character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Not disappoint is a double negative. That means hope does not not appoint. What does it mean? Hope appoints. And you will reach your destiny. And you will get your victory. And you will get your answer prayer. And God will do exactly what he said he's going to do. Because he is good. All the time, he is good. He is willing and he is able and he is faithful. He is not a man that he should lie and he does not give words and prophecies tritely. He speaks and it changes worlds and atmospheres and creates things and brings people from death into life, from despair into hope. Add to... Your perseverance, godliness, okay? So after you persevere a little while, it says perseverance produces character, which is the character of Christ. And then you start to actually become godly. That's the participating in the divine nature part. Woo! Anybody persevere through some things? Hey. Welcome to the party. I'm just saying, you're godly. Mm, I am. Yes, I am. I'll tell you what, I'm a lot more godly than I was. You're welcome. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful? Because the truth is, you know, when we're not godly, we know we're not godly, and we can't even stand ourselves, okay? Be honest. We're like, oh, my gosh, shut up, Stephanie, right? Like sometimes you hear your own thoughts and your own things when you're going that way. You know it's not right, but you can't stop. You don't know how to stop. But once you persevere, you come into godliness. That's the participating in the divine nature. It's awesome. Then it says to godliness, brotherly kindness, right? So you get the character, and then you learn how to be kind, Right? It doesn't agitate you anymore when you get a new revelation and the person next to you totally doesn't get it and they think, you know, they know all and you just got to listen, right, and talk and haver in generalities until they catch up with you. It doesn't bother you anymore, right? So you can be kind to your brother and be like, you know what, it's all good, dude. I have been there. I love you. Right? Let's just, whatever, let's go get dinner or something. Right? You know what I'm talking about? And a brotherly kindness, the final one is love. I'm not just being kind anymore because it's the right thing to do and because I know what God says, which still has some measure of self-control in it. But now I genuinely love you. 
I see you for who you are. I see who it is that God's called you to be. I recognize the soil level of your heart and the fruitfulness that you're bearing. And I genuinely love you because I've been through that process over and over and over again because it's an eternal cyclical process of coming into more of who he is. So now I actually genuinely love you and can empathize with you. But I still love you enough in the spirit where I'm going to give you a truthful answer, right? Because it's actually going to bring you back to him, which I know is going to give you joy. As you participate in the divine nature and realize who it is he called you to be and the wonderful things that he has created you to do here on this earth. Okay? One of the benefits is greater levels of glory as our faith is proved over and over again. So as we go through the cyclical process of that we just discussed, adding to the goodness and to the kindness and the self-control and the perseverance and the godliness and the brotherly kindness and the love. Because we're willing to say yes and continue to go through around that cycle over and over and over again. What happens, that character that as we persevere in that process is called glory. Okay? That's actually, when it says we participate in the divine nature, that's literally what the divine nature is. It's the glory or the Shekinah of God. Shekinah, as Ellen would say. Shekinah. It's the tangible presence of God. It's the fire and the smoke. The pillar of fire by night and the pillar of smoke by day. It's that weightiness of his presence that caused the disciples to be of one heart. And when the wind filled the room, when Peter's shadow healed people, when Paul could touch a handkerchief and they could give it to people and they would be healed. That's the glory or the weightiness of God. The scripture says Christ in you, Christ in me, is the hope of glory. So as we stay in this process and we participate in the divine nature more and more and more, the end of it all is love. Love is God. God is love. That's in the scripture. God, it's the only thing that tells us what God is. God is love. Love is glory. Glory is the character. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The character is Christ. He's our prototype. That's what it looks like. I know. Think about it, right? I'm like, man, when I think on that sometimes, I'm just like, wow. The benefits of community is that greater levels of influence are opened up is we're faithful in our immediate and healthy relationships, right? Just like that story I told. Greater opportunities to intimately know God our Father and to interact with him on a regular basis. As our weaknesses are made known, which they will be in the context of community, we're made strong. And we're invited to jump on that path, to persevere through it, and then we're given another measure of glory. And then we can walk into boardrooms or into contentious situations and we're very familiar with havering so we're not easily offended and we're not upset and we're able to say things people don't want to say that bring kingdom order and restore things and repair things and manifest the glory and the love of God in a way that makes people feel safe enough to go there and actually seek the truth and be solution oriented and not contentious or trying to cause division discouragement or despair Amen. 
All right. One of the benefits of community is the shaking and proving of solid relationships or not so solid relationships. Okay, so the benefit specifically of the being connected to the church or the body of Christ that, that is growing together is you can go, mm, you know what? Um, remember the verse where it says they went out from us and they were never of us? Mm-hmm. You ever been in bodies where people come in and they just so problems, 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 discord, discord, division, 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 and they they leave finally after everybody's finally learned how to love them well, and everybody's like, oh, thank God, right? It's not mean. It's just that they may not have ever come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They may not yet be pierced by the revelation of righteousness, and therefore they can't come into maturity because they don't have Christ in them, the hope of glory yet. That's all. But in the community of Christ, when you see healthy relationships acted out again and again and again on a regular basis, when the other ones are shaken out like that, it doesn't affect you the same way. And you're actually thankful for it because you learn to recognize toxic relationships, unhealthy relationships. And um, it's very helpful. It makes life way more enjoyable to run with healthy team members, right? People that are willing to go there. Does that make sense? Without kind of getting too detailed? Okay, I don't want to offend anybody. As weird as that sounds after just talking about Avery. All right, the benefit, one of the, two more. One more benefit of belonging to community is that you get to belong to a deeply passionate group of people with a single purpose and goals that last beyond this lifetime. So it gives you purpose. And frankly, if you're in a healthy community, they're going to keep prodding you and pushing you so that you get a lot of eternal rewards. God is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. Much of it we get here on earth in the sense that we get to participate in the divine nature in a greater measure, in a greater way over and over and over again as we persevere into that place of character, Christ in us, right? But when we get there, it says... For some, that there will be a fire, and everything they did here on earth, it will all be burned up. For others, it will be tested in the fire, and the things that are eternal, the things that were of God, the things that they heard him say or he told them to do and they did, won't burn up. The things that he showed them and that they obeyed and followed through on that bore fruit for the kingdom, that there will be treasures laid up in heaven for us. In fact, it says that Jesus goes before us to prepare a place in his Father's house for you and for me. I heard a testimony of a prophet once, and I'm almost done, so don't panic. I know, I like to talk. I heard a testimony of a prophet once, and um, he had this encounter with the Lord. He went away on a retreat, was staying up in Moravian Falls, and um, had been fasting and whatnot, was seeking the Lord. And he had this encounter with, uh, I believe it was Elijah and Enoch. He said, all of a sudden, he's in the heavenlies, and he's face-to-face with the prophet Elijah and with Enoch. And he said, what was so weird about this encounter is that Elijah was really grumpy and irritable. He's like, he just was like agitated the whole time. And um, this particular prophet was kind of laughing about it. He said, but when he looked at Enoch, he was so calm, so full of grace, so full of glory, And I began to ponder that, and I thought, 
if that encounter is real, which I believe it probably is, because it said that Enoch so pleased the Lord that he walked with him and suddenly was no more. I think part of our eternal reward is that to the measure we're willing to become whole here and, and face our stuff and persevere into the fullness of the character of God and carry that weight of his glory, participate in that divine nature, I think we take that with us. I think that's the proving. I think that's the fiery thing that never goes away. To the measure we, by faith, allowed him to dwell in us and work through us is the measure that we'll carry for an eternity. It'll be an eternal reward of our reflection of what we allowed him to prove in us. And I guess my question to myself, and maybe ask yourself this question, what would you look like if you transitioned today? What measure of glory would you reflect? And don't take this as a condemnation. It's not. It's an opportunity. And what measure of glory would you want to reflect? And what would that require of you in this moment in time? This is my favorite benefit of all. Belonging to the body of Christ and to community is never boring. You will always be challenged. You will always have something going on that will cause you to grow. You will always be on the great adventure of a lifetime. You will always be growing and you will not be bored. If you genuinely, fully surrender, there are gifts and skills and grace and measures of Christ's glory in you that he will continually awaken because he is inexhaustible. He's eternal. So you'll always be learning something new about you and the people around you. And it is the best when you get whole, when you finally get whole. It can be a little trying during that being made whole process, okay? It's a little painful, but that's what the family's for. But once you get to that place of wholeness, oh, it's like a the best roller coaster ride. I don't know, flying eagle ride. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so awesome. Like every day he surprises you with his goodness and with his grace and you get to hear him and share with people what you hear and they think it's you but it's not you it's him and then you get to point them to him and then they get to taste and see that he actually loves them and then you watch them fall in love with Jesus and you're like oh my gosh this is the best life ever <laughs> right and it's just like so good it's so good and then you get filled up over and over and over again you're like I can't not do more right and you think Lord seriously like how can I do more than I'm already doing and then he gives you more grace you're like oh my goodness you're so good and it's just awesome and there's a day coming, it says there are libraries in heaven. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to be able to. It says, when they talked amongst themselves, it was written down in the books. You're going to be able to go into the library of heaven and read your own story. What? I'm just saying. My story, they're going to be like, dang. Right? Did they tell the conversations I had in the house, Lord, or did you just do like what you did for Rahab in Hebrews where you said she was a woman of great faith, right? You're going to have a beautiful story that reflects the grace of God 
given to you and flowing through you. And all the people you touched and all the little smiles and encouragements and things you said that you didn't even know touched people's lives. One day you're going to be able to go and read them. Man, I'm telling you what, we got the good life. All right. I didn't realize there were two slides, so I apologize for misinforming you. There's a couple more things. Four more to be specific. All right. In community, you get full counsel. We talked about that a little bit already. Okay. In community, you have many opportunities to practice in a safe environment. Okay, when we're young, when a toddler is young, they need somewhere safe to be able to practice. So in this particular community, everybody prophesies from Carrington all the way up because there's no Holy Spirit Junior, and we all got to learn. If you got something you feel like you're called to do and you want to learn, there's a, there's a place and there's a time and there's a platform or whatever where you can practice. We want you to do that because our goal is to equip you to do the works that God prepared in advance for you to do and then to see you sent out in the power of God because that weight of glory has been developed in you and you felt safe enough to practice. Does that make sense? There's a world that needs to know him. Amen? Yeah, we already said that. I'm going to leave that alone. All right. This is what I love most about well, one, I can't say most. One of my favorite things about the body of Christ. We are the only organism, and I'll say organism because it's the people, not the building, right? We're the only group or community in the entire world that has every tribe, every tongue, and every nation as a part of it. We are the most diverse, the most expansive, the most inclusive organism in the world, those that are functioning according to the kingdom. And I love it. Because when, as we mature, as we continue to mature, you get to a place where it's, ex the differences are exciting and they're beautiful. And they're celebrating. You're like, ah, I never could have sang like Kalia did. That was so good. I'm like, eh, right? It touched me in a way I couldn't have been touched if somebody else was singing it, right? I never could have played that cool guitar like Jackie did or that melody like so-and-so did or I couldn't have given the word like Alan did. He explained the Hebrew so well that totally rocked me, man. Thank you, God, for the way you work through that person. Thank you, God, for the way you work through that culture. Thank you, God, for the way you work through that gift. Thank you, God, for the way you work through that male or that female. Come on, or that couple, right? Awesome. Because we're the most diverse community literally in the entire history of the world, it makes us very compassionate. It makes us very knowledgeable and sensitive when we're intentional about learning. And it makes us a whole lot of fun. Because you don't get bored. It doesn't look the same every week, right? Especially when we're letting Holy Spirit lead like we do in this community. All right, for real, for real, last slide. The benefits of connection far outweigh the comfort of isolation. We just talked about like 17 things. And especially when we're younger in the Lord or when we're going through a season of healing, you know, we kind of want to put that cocoon around us and be like, mm, not feeling this, right? But even in a cocoon season when we're healing, you got to let people come on and check on you. Make sure there's no holes in your cocoon. The liquid ain't leaking out because literally 
the process of metamorphosis is it liquefies the caterpillar. There's a hole in your cocoon. We got a problem. You are literally dropping out the bottom of the cocoon and somebody needs to help you. Right? That's all I got. I think it's all for us real quick. So I'm just going to say that again. The benefits of connection far outweigh the comfort of isolation and Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.